this morning, I just wanted to kind of share with you something that's uh, just particularly been on my heart recently. Um, it's another aspect of culture, really. Um, culture for us is so important uh, because really it's the environment in which things grow in. Um, and if you get your culture right, if you get your kind of soil right, then good things are going to grow. Um, and so we work hard here to kind of create a culture uh, that's healthy and a culture that enables things to flourish uh, and really brings the kingdom of God in and allows God to do his stuff uh, in our lives. And uh, this morning, I just want to talk about a subject um, that's close to my heart and uh, that I think is an important aspect of uh, the culture we're trying to create here. Um, and I think is perhaps an important part of uh, a contrast to, to, to other cultures that you might experience. Um, so if you want to turn with me, we're going to start just in, in Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 7. Uh, we're going to pick up in verse 27, uh, just to give it a bit of context. And then I'm going to focus on a few, uh, few passages in there. Uh, I think it's going to come up, up behind as well. Um, so Luke 7, starting at 27. So Jesus here is teaching the disciples, those that are following him. And he says this, says, but I tell, tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Bless those who ill-treat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And just skipping down to 41. Verse 41, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in yours? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The bit I just want to focus in on this morning, um, if you kind of want a title for what I want to share, it's, it's do not judge. I read some of the other stuff just because it's good. Um, I, love, I love some of the teaching in there, love loving our enemies and being good to those who uh, may be unkind or harmful towards us. But there's a bit in there that I just wanted to particularly focus in on. And that's the whole thing that Jesus teaches about judgment and not judging one another. And for me, I think it's really important. One of, the, one of the things I love about this environment and this culture is that there isn't a judgmental culture. 
Um, I think the leaders here have done an amazing job over the years of building a culture and an environment uh, where, where judgment isn't a part of it. Um, and I think I just want to kind of add, add to that, really, and add to the momentum of that. And, and that's something I think as a, as a church, as a family, we want to keep and we want to protect. And so I thought it'd be good just to kind of do a bit of teaching around it. Because I don't know about you, but I'm sure probably most of you have experienced or been in judgmental cultures. And I think one of the reasons for me why this is so important to us is that we, we, we want to build an environment where people can flourish uh, and where people are able to fulfill their potential. Uh, we want to build an environment and a culture of trust, of freedom, um, and of forgiveness and redemption, where people are redeemed and not condemned. And you see, judgment, if you get a judgmental culture and you get kind of judgment creeping in there, I think it just kind of kills that stone dead. Because it cuts people down, it locks them up, it creates an environment of fear, of condemnation. And I think it literally kind of sucks the life out of a place. So that's why I want to go after it this morning uh, not because I think it's something significant we need to address, but because I think it's something that we want to very much maintain is, is a culture of, of freedom, of trust, of believing in people, as opposed to a judgmental culture. So Jesus here is teaching his disciples and he's warning them. He's saying, don't judge. Don't condemn. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Now, I think it's important to try and understand what Jesus means here. Um, I've heard various teachings on this in the past. I think it's important to try and understand what's Jesus talking about here when he's talking about not judging. Uh, because I don't think Jesus is saying, don't think. And I don't think he's saying you can't have an opinion and you can't be discerning about things or what's going on. But there's a clear warning here, and Jesus is saying to the disciples, don't judge. And I think what he's going after here is something we see kind of portrayed very much in the way the Pharisees go about things in the New Testament. I think Jesus is particularly going after the kind of judgment where essentially somebody's almost kind of reaching a final verdict about something. They're making a decision about what somebody's done or what somebody's like. And that judgment is kind of final. It's complete. It's the kind of judgment that leads to punishment, that leads to somebody being labelled. You know, that's the way you are and that's the way you're always going to be. And it becomes somebody's identity. It's the kind of judgment that actually causes you to, to reject and disapprove, to push somebody away. It's hopeless. There's no way back. There's no hope of redemption. And often it also leads to that person losing value in your eyes. That that person's value goes down. I think that's the kind of judgment that Jesus is going after here. The kind of judgment that tears people down, that boxes them in, that puts a lid on who they are, and that leads to punishment and condemnation and rejection. I think a good example of this 
Uh, If you turn with me to John's gospel, we see a, a really good example of, I think, what Jesus is going after here. If you turn to John chapter 8, it's a story that many of you will be familiar with, but I think it really illustrates what Jesus was getting at. So John chapter 8, verse verse 1 to 11. It says this, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered round him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him throw the first stone. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was the only one left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I think this is an amazing story and really contrasts the kind of attitude, the heart of the Pharisees uh, with the heart of Jesus himself. The the Pharisees had found this woman uh, who'd broken the law. Uh, She committed adultery. The Pharisees were actually right. According to the law, she was due to be stoned. She should be stoned. And yet Jesus, as he was doing Uh, throughout his teaching, was completely turning their world upside down. And the Pharisees brought her to Jesus and basically were looking for her to be stoned, for her to be killed. And I think, again, as I say, it kind of illustrates the kind of judgment that I was talking about earlier. They'd made their mind up about what should happen. They'd made their mind up about who she was. There was no hope for her in their eyes. What they were after was punishment. They wanted her to pay the price for what she'd done. They weren't seeking redemption. They weren't seeking to save her. Yet Jesus, that's exactly what he had in mind. So as the Pharisees accused her and sought to condemn her, Jesus turns to them and come up with a genius question and said, okay, let he who is without sin throw the first stone. It's a bit like what Jesus said earlier, you know, take the speck out of your own eye before you, uh, so take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of somebody else's. He's almost kind of saying the same thing, but differently. And clearly none of them were in a position to do that. The only one who was, was Jesus himself. He was the only one left standing, the only one there without sin. 
And I wonder what the woman was thinking at that moment. I wonder what she was expecting Jesus to do. I'm sure she was probably expecting to lose her life. And yet Jesus completely turns it around. And he says to the lady, so who here condemns you? Nobody. Well, then neither do I condemn you. You see, Jesus wasn't interested here in punishing this lady. He wasn't interested in condemning her. What he was interested in was redeeming her. He was interested in forgiveness. Now, Jesus didn't condone what she'd done. He didn't let it go. He didn't say, carry on as you were before. He addresses the issue. He actually says to the lady, go and sin no more. But Jesus' heart was not punishment. It was redemption. It was forgiveness. Jesus wanted to set this lady free. He didn't want to lock her in. And that's why I think it's so important that we make sure that judgment has no part to play in what we're doing here. Because what judgment leads to is it leads to shame, it leads to condemnation, it leads to punishment. As I say, it locks people in and gives people no hope of redemption. I think what it also does is it creates a culture of fear. Uh, A judgmental environment, a judgmental culture creates a culture of fear where you're always kind of looking over your shoulder and wondering what other people are thinking about you. Uh, I remember speaking to Pete uh, Carter a bit about their time out at Bethel in the States. And uh, Pete will tell you the story where after three months there, he was just reflecting on the experience and trying to jot down some of the things that they'd experienced and learned while they were there. And uh, he just said this phrase came into his head, um, which was uh, free from suspicion. That they'd been in an environment for three months that was free of suspicion. I think it's another way of talking about a, a culture that isn't judgmental. Where people actually believe in you and see the best in you. And even if you do slip up, actually the heart is restoration and not punishment. A culture that's free of suspicion I think is so important. Because the opposite undermines trust. And relationships. And this is something I think we live with, not just uh, in some kind of church cultures, religious cultures, even in the world around us, we see it. I mean, you only have to pick up a newspaper to see a judgmental culture. I mean, the headlines that get written, uh, you know, about things, particularly when things go wrong. I mean, I think particularly about people like, uh, you know, teachers or social workers or doctors, nurses, when things go wrong. I mean, you you probably remember, can recall some of the stories about, I don't know, social workers where where a child in care, um, you know, something goes wrong. And the first thing they're calling for is somebody's head. The first thing the headline is, is, is basically completely writing that person off. The person in charge is a complete failure, has no hope, and what they want is somebody's head on a platter. The culture, the heart there is is punishment. It's not looking for redemption. Now, again, I'm not saying that you skirt over the issue. I'm not saying you don't address the problem. But I think the question for me is a lot about the heart. 
Is the heart looking to punish and to write somebody off? Or is the heart looking to redeem and to restore? So why do we not judge? Why, why does Jesus encourage us not to judge people? Well, firstly, it's God's job. Okay, God is the judge, and one day he will judge everybody. Uh, it, scripture makes it clear that he is going to judge people. But even he's not doing it yet. Uh, Jesus made clear, he said in John's gospel, that he came to save the world, not to judge it. The other thing is that you never know all of the facts. So when you're looking at somebody, what somebody's done, somebody's situation, you know, and you start to kind of reach conclusions about what's gone on and why, and maybe what that person's like, it's always just worth bearing in mind, actually, you never know all of the facts. It's a bit like the man who was coming home from work on the tube in London. He'd had a busy day at work. It was stressful. He just wanted to get home. And he got onto the tube and uh, sat down. But unfortunately got into a carriage where there were three kids causing complete havoc. They were running up and down the tube carriage. They were shouting. They were swinging on the poles. They were bashing into people. And this man who just kind of had enough at the end of a long day, was getting more and more frustrated inside. And he could actually see these kids' dad kind of sat across the way. And he had his head down, and he wasn't paying attention to what they were doing. And this guy was getting more and more frustrated. These kids were just causing havoc, and the dad was just sat there doing nothing about it. And eventually, after a few minutes of this, uh, the man stood up. He was pretty indignant couldn't believe what was going on. And he went across to the, to the kid's dad and he said to him, what are you doing? You know, why are you letting your kids just run around and causing such disruption? You get control of them. And the man looked up and he looked at him and he said, actually, I would, but we've just come from the hospital and their mum has just died. And I don't have the heart uh, to stop them right now. One of the reasons I think why Jesus encourages us not to judge, not to kind of reach a final conclusion about people, about situations, about things, is because we never know all of the facts. You see, God judges the heart. We often judge based on externals and what we see and the limited information that we have. Another reason is Jesus actually warns us here, and says actually the measure by which you judge, you're going to be judged as well. So that's a really good reason to be a kind of really slow, lenient judge, I think. Just to say, what, what I'm not saying is, or... or it, what I wouldn't want you to hear in the context of what I'm saying is it, it, it is okay to be discerning. Jesus himself says and encourages his disciples to be uh, as innocent as doves and as wise as serpents. And actually Jesus 
is, you know, he, he is discerning. It's also important that we are able to confront things and to confront people. We don't just let things slide. You know, D- Jesus didn't just let things slide. You know, Jesus actually had some pretty harsh words for some people. I mean, he called the Pharisees a brood of vipers. You know, he, 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 he would sometimes lay it on the line and he would confront. But I think Jesus' heart in doing that was always to save, was always to redeem. And I think it's also important when we do confront that we do it with an open mind and an open heart. That when we're confronting people, actually we haven't reached, as I say, the final conclusion on what's gone on or who they are or what they've done. That actually we're coming to them ready uh, for new information, for new insight, uh, for their perspective on the situation. See, I think it's important. I think one of the things this draws out for me is, as I say, that the Pharisee's heart, I think often when you look at it in Scripture, was, was often around punishment. And uh, something God's just been showing me over the, the last few years is just that I think there's an important difference between discipline, between punishment. You see, I think punishment is very much about kind of getting even and settling the score. It's about somebody paying the price for what they've done. I think discipline... And confrontation, I think the heart that God wants us to have behind that is actually it's, it's about the future. Yes, it's about addressing what's gone wrong, but it's also about redeeming the situation and actually expecting that that person can do something differently next time around. It's not kind of writing them off. It's not just about settling the score. See, God's heart is to save and to redeem, not to judge or punish. He does want to deal with sin, and he does address it. But his way of doing it is not through fear of punishment or judgment. It's actually by restoring relationships, revealing his love, and renewing our hearts. You see, one of the things that judgment does is it pushes people away. You know, it creates disapproval and it it pushes away. And I think sometimes, certainly when you look at the Pharisees, why why they were judging, often it was to kind of keep themselves, uh, not not to associate with sin and, and things that were going wrong. And what we actually see with Jesus is the opposite. Jesus Jesus managed to combine in quite an amazing way the ability not to tolerate sin, but also not to be afraid of it. Jesus, Jesus actually drew close to sinners. He didn't push them away. Jesus drew close to those that had failed. He didn't push them away. I think a good example of this, a kind of illustration is, um, in, you know, we look at how the, how the Bible deals with people who had leprosy. You know, in the Old Testament, we see that people who had leprosy were sent out of the camp. They had to kind of disassociate themselves from the rest of the community. In the New Testament, what do we see? We see Jesus laying his hands on people with leprosy and they were healed. And I think that's a good picture of, you know, the difference here. You know, judgment would push people away, whereas Jesus' heart is actually to draw near and to restore, to redeem, to forgive. I think Jesus is also able to see beyond Uh, people's conduct and their external situation 
to see who they really are. That's one of the things I loved about what we were singing earlier. I believe you delight in me. I believe, I believe you delight in me. I think it's so important that we get that into our hearts. You see, God is able to look beyond kind of the external. He's able to look beyond our failures. And he's able to actually see who we are in the midst of that. And I think God loves to call out who we are, even when it's not obvious and even when it's not visible. And so one of the things about judgment and the kind of judgment I think Jesus is addressing here is that it it, it offers no hope. There's no hope for the person who's being judged. They're kind of ridden off. Whereas Jesus never does that. He always hopes and is able to see beyond our failures. We see that, we see numerous examples of that. One of the most obvious is someone like Simon Peter, where he denied Jesus three times at a crucial moment in Jesus' life. Again, you might expect in a judgmental culture that that might have been the end of Peter's ministry. That might have been it for Peter. That that failure would have been it. But Jesus restores him and reaffirms that Peter is the rock on which he's going to build his church. You see, one of the antidotes, one of the opposites of a judgmental culture, I think, is a prophetic culture. And that's certainly something we're building here. Because you don't have to be prophetic to call a spade a spade. Okay? You don't have to be prophetic to call a spade a spade. Okay, you just have to have eyes. Okay? But you do have to be prophetic to see beyond the surface, to see beyond sometimes the mess, and to call out who God has made somebody to be. It doesn't take faith to tell somebody who they are. It does take faith to, to call something that's not yet what it's meant to be, kind of into being. In Romans 4, we get a picture of this. Romans 4, 17 and 18, I think it's going to come up behind. You know, God loves to call things that are not as though they are. It says, as it is written, I've made you a father, this speaking of Abraham, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in, in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. You see, to look at Abraham's life, he was an old man, hadn't had kids yet. Would you have believed that he was going to become the father of a multitude? And yet it says here that God loves to call into being things that are not, as though they are. And he speaks over Abraham and he says, you're going to be the father of many nations. Do you have to see something to believe it? Or can you believe it before you see it? You see, I think what we want and what we're creating here is a culture where actually 
We want to call out the gold in people and see beyond what sometimes there may be messes, see beyond that and actually call out who people really are. And I just want to encourage you, if you, if as I'm speaking, you're aware that there may be people that you, you, you've judged, that you've kind of written off, I think one of the tests for me would be, do you have hope for that person? Do you have hope for that person and for who that person could be? And if the answer is no, I just want to encourage you to ask God to give you his perspective on who they are. In Corinthians, it tells us that love always hopes. So if you don't have hope for somebody, go back to the one that does and get hope. See, see them who, for who they really are. So what culture do we want to build? I think we want to build a culture of encouragement. We want to build a culture where we believe the best of people. We, we want to build a culture of healthy confrontation. So where issues are addressed. But in a way that seeks to restore and to resolve, not to condemn and punish. We want to build a redemptive culture. A culture where if people slip up, people fail. Actually, the heart is to see them restored and to see them renewed. Not for them to pay the price. And we want to build a prophetic culture in which we can call out the gold in people and see people for who God has made them to be, even when that isn't visible yet. One other thing I just want to mention in this context is the whole issue, or is just the thing of justice. Because one of the things in this, you know, it might seem that essentially people are getting away with things. Um, as I say, I think it's important that issues are addressed, that issues are confronted. But I think it's also important that forgiveness sets people free. And uh, I, my eyes were open to the whole thing about what justice looks like uh, when we were out at Bethel. Um, and uh, Jason Vallotton was actually teaching. And Jason, uh, Chris Vallotton's son, uh, had a couple of years previously uh, been through a, a, a divorce uh, where his then wife had gone off with somebody and uh, Jason just completely blew my mind when he, he stood up there and actually said his heart wasn't wasn't to kind of wasn't for them to be punished for what they'd done because he just said he just said that justice in the kingdom is not it's not about getting even it's not about punishment justice in the kingdom is about wholeness and in that situation, he just described how actually wholeness, what wholeness looks like is wholeness for him, wholeness for his wife, and wholeness for her new partner. And he was praying that their relationship would be blessed. He was praying that they would have a great relationship. And Jason has now remarried himself. But it just completely blew my mind. You know, in that situation... I could understand, I think where I would have got to is perhaps praying for wholeness for Jason. 
and you know, wanting some kind of recompense uh, from those that had hurt him. But actually his heart and the, the perspective he had was that actually justice in the kingdom looked like wholeness for all of them and actually all, all of them prospering, uh, not just them paying the price for what had happened. And I think that's, that again, it's, it's these kind of shifts that I think are taking place in our thinking in terms of what, what does kingdom look like, what does kingdom mean? Uh, I think God's idea of justice, God's idea of redemption is so beyond what our natural kind of understanding of it is. And and I think this is just a really important thing that we bring into the culture here and into the culture where we go, into our workplaces, into our families, into the environments that we're going into, that actually we're bringing this redemptive culture, we're bringing this culture of, of hope and this culture that actually calls people out to be who God's made them to be and doesn't just write them off um, when, they, when they slip up. I hope that's communicated something just to the heart I wanted to bring uh, this morning. One thing I just wanted to do, I think if, if, if as I've been speaking, you're aware uh, that you have judged other people, that you have kind of formed judgments, you've written people off, Uh, I just encourage you to repent of that. And I'd encourage you, as I say, to press into God and ask him to give you hope and a different perspective, to give you his perspective uh, on that person. The other group I just wanted just to pray for quickly was just people who may have been in a judgmental culture and, and, and where you've been written off. Or where things have been said about you or spoken over you that have actually limited you and put a lid on you. It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean kind of moral failure. It could be that somebody, you know, people have spoken over you different things. You know, you're, you're stupid. You're not creative. You know, these kind of judgments that people put on us and throw over us and those things can, can shape us. They can affect us. And I just want to give an opportunity. If there's anybody, um, maybe actually what we'll do, perhaps we'll all just stand. I just want to encourage you just to put your hands out. And if, if you, I just want to pray over you. And particularly with in mind, people who may have been subject to a culture that's been judgmental and that's that sought to write you off and punish and condemn. I just think God wants to bring freedom this morning. See, one of the things you can come into a culture that's different, uh, but actually if inwardly you're still experiencing the effects of that judgment, you don't necessarily get the benefit of it. So I just want to encourage you, just just reach out to God, just open your heart to him. I just want to pray over you. Yeah, Father, I, I thank you that you didn't send Jesus into the world to judge the world, but you sent him in to save us. I thank you you didn't send him to punish, but you sent him to redeem and to restore And Father, I just 
release over us, I, I just ask you that you would help us to be a people that, that mirrors your heart. Father, that we would be those who restore. Father, we would be those who see the best in people and who draw that out. Father, that we would be those who hope for the hopeless and those that others would write off. And that we actually call into being who people really are and not just what we see. And Father, I just release your grace right now over anybody here who has suffered as a result of a judgmental culture and judgments that have been put over them. Father, I just, I just release freedom right now over those people. Father, I just release freedom. I release hope into your heart. And just say over you, God, God has never written you off. God has never written you off. He's made you to be glorious. And he believes in you. And his power that is at work within you. And I just release over you freedom to live free of judgment. Sometimes we can be our harshest critic. Uh, and I just release over you freedom from judgment. Freedom from suspicion. Freedom from having to look over your shoulder and wonder what other people are thinking of you. Uh, free to be you. And I, ju- I also, I just release his joy over you. I release his joy over you. You know, freedom brings joy uh, and enables us to live in joy. So I just release his joy over you. There's freedom in this place. And I just want to encourage us, as I say, let's, let's be a people who create a culture of freedom, a culture where we believe in, in each other, a culture where we're drawing out the best in each other, a culture where we do confrontation well when things need to be addressed, and a culture where we're always hoping and seeing who God's made people to be.